Brother Gerald just told me that it was a good idea that I typed my notes out. Bad thing is I read these off my computer and the font's too small. I can't read it. So, so uh, I'm going to be winging it here um, unless I use my glasses. I think all testimonies that anybody gives are a good thing. But if you're like me, you really like those good, exciting ones that, you know, somebody overcame some uh, adversity and, and really, you know, came through some struggles. I tell you, mine's not that. It's just not. Uh, I grew up in Lufkin and probably in one of the most boringest average families that you could come up with. Uh, there was me and my mom and dad, and I got a brother and a sister, and we were just about as average and boring as you could come. My dad did not go to church, but I felt like he set a pretty good example for me for how to act for somebody who didn't go to church. Uh, my mom, on the other hand, she took us to church all the time. And uh, we went to First Baptist Church in, Honey, in, uh, in Lufkin, and uh, we went to Sunday school, big church as we call it, vacation Bible school. So one Sunday night, we're sitting there in church, and uh, I don't know, 10 years old, 11 years old, I don't know how old it was. My mom leans over and tells me and my brother, y'all need to join the church. So we said, okay. So we bebopped down the aisle, and there was a, uh, the main pastor wasn't there, the uh, the former pastor was, I believe his name was Dr. Deloach. And uh, so we told him what I wanted to do, okay, no big deal. So a couple of days later, my mom tells me that the regular pastor wants to come talk to us. So he comes to our house, and his name was Dr. Charles McElvain. And I was, I was a little kid, and he was a pretty big man. And he was, he was a great man, but he was kind of stiff. And uh, so he was, he was a little intimidating to us. So we visited for a while, and we talked. And he finally asked me and my brother, he said, have y'all asked Jesus to come into your heart? And we both looked around and said, nope. <laughs> and it was kind of awkward silence there. And uh, so we talked some more. And uh, like I said, I grew up in the church, and so I had a pretty good idea of what it took to be a Christian, but I didn't have all the, didn't have all the answers. didn't have all the answers on what it took to be saved. And we prayed, and we talked, and we prayed some more. And... Right there in my living room at 207 Jack Street in Lufkin, Texas, I asked Jesus to come into my heart. So everything's fine and dandy. Well, if you're like me, sometimes you question some things as you get a little older. And if you're like me, I question sometimes whether I was truly saved, whether I'd done everything right, whether my salvation was real. And I'm going to give you a couple examples of how I found out that my salvation was real. When you, uh, unfortunately... In my situation, when I was saved at, at a young age, 10 or 11, I had to become a teenager. And I was not the best teenager in the world. And uh, I made some mistakes. I followed some people that I shouldn't have. I did some things I shouldn't have done. And I'm going to put it like this. I just did a lot of stupid things. And so I can tell you, like I was there every time it happened, I knew when I was doing stupid things, and I knew that, but I still did them. But it took God a lot of hits over the head, a lot of problems, a lot of issues for me to finally realize that when I knew I was doing something bad, that was the Holy Spirit in me telling me, you're doing something bad. Quit doing stupid things. And I struggled through it, but I think I, I, think I came out okay. <laughs> um, another way that I think I learned that my salvation was real was uh, kind of the old-fashioned way, watching TV. And in particular, watching one TV show. 
And so it just happened that way. I, and, and Brother Darrell's probably not going to believe or not going to like what I'm fixing to say. And some of you probably aren't going to agree with it. But I learned that I'm probably the most blessed person on the face of this earth. I truly believe that. Y'all may not, but I do. And I learned that from watching, like I said, one TV show. So I'm going to ask if anybody else learned that they were truly blessed by watching the TV show Cops. <laughs> anybody? Nobody? Nobody? All right. All right. I used to watch that show all the time. And as a matter of fact, I watched it so much that my daughter, who's in the back back there, she would watch it with me. And she was a little bitty, two, three years old. And Sherry, being the smart parent, would tell us, tell me, that she doesn't need to watch that show. It's not good for her. And I said, yeah, whatever. And she watched it with me. Well, when she's three, four years old running around and you know, most kids are, are singing uh, nursery rhymes or Jesus loves me or those kind of things, she's singing the theme song from Cops. <laughs> bad boys, bad boys, you know the song. You know. So anyway, like I said, I watch that show all the time and everybody knows kind of what happens. The cops arrest people and, and uh, you know, they're doing things and so the cops are getting them. Well, why didn't that happen to me? I was doing stupid things. Why? Well, it's because I was blessed. And I know that now. I didn't realize it then. But I know it now that God was just blessing my life and taking care of me when I really didn't deserve it. I know I didn't deserve it. Not really. I know I didn't deserve it. But God was taking care of me and blessing me. I can tell you that uh, as the old Johnny Carson skit used to go, um, He'd put something up there and he'd say he's coming to the fork in the road. I came to a lot of forks in the road in my life. And I've made some bad decisions. But I know God was there as, I'm going to call it, the silent partner. And he was silent because I made him silent. And I wasn't listening to him. But I'm still coming to forks in the road. Still don't have all the answers. Even though I feel like I'm the most blessed person, I don't have all the answers. My life's not perfect. But... I know God is there with me now, helping me make those right decisions, and, and I'm, trying to, I'm trying to listen to him more and have him make those decisions and not Randy. The book of Randy's not finished yet. I don't know how close I am to the final chapter, uh, but I guess I challenge all, everybody to, you know, even though we don't know what's going to happen, we know God's promised us some great things, but we don't know whatever, how everything's going to work out. But, you know, stop and look and look in your rearview mirror and look how blessed you are. I mean, I hate to say it, but if you're looking at me now, you're probably pretty blessed because God's got you here and, and he's got some great things for, he's done some great things for me. Let me tell you, he's going to do some great things for you too. Thank you. All right, I've got lots of, lots of folks here for me today, and I appreciate that. Um, Shane Stover says it's, uh, it's heresy to prepare, and I don't believe that at all. <laughs> so I, I wrote a sermon, and then Brother Darrell said, you got to be five minutes, so I should have listened to Shane. So here I am winging it again anyways. Um, my salvation story. Um, I was about six and a half probably watched uh, my older brother Chris walk the aisle and 
I began to question why I wasn't able to eat crackers and drink juice. And so, uh, through all my questioning, if you know, know a little bit about my raisin, uh, my spiritual raisin, um, I probably put pretty much ultimately owe it to my granddad. Um, and he was a, he was a retired uh, pastor, preacher. And uh, through enough of my questioning, I, I found out that, that I was, you know, in fact, lost in the center and I needed saving at a very young age. Um, so I, one night in my bed, prayed the prayer that, uh, that uh, everybody, you know, somewhat gets to. And I just remember um, I, it was probably a midnight and laying in my bed and I knew I, knew I felt uh, a difference inside me. And I got so overwhelmed and excited that I, I busted up in my, my parents' room at midnight and to let them know I, I've accepted Jesus. And I don't know, I don't know if y'all remember that, but um, from there on, you know, I was raised up a little bit different. Uh, I, I, was, I was a little bit different kid. My, my granddaddy was a, was a retired preacher. My papa was a, um, my papa was a welder in the Navy, and I am an engineer's son, so that makes me a, a, a God-fearing, country-loving, overthinking welder. <laughs> so that's basically what I've become. Um, I ended up at Texas A&M uh, Galveston right after high school. I mean, I, as soon as... First, first bus out, I, I was buying a ticket. I couldn't stand it any longer. Um, that's where I entered my prodigal stage. Um, quit going to class, dropped out, lost my job, had to move back home with the parents, which was humbling. And I got to the moment in a young man's life that I started questioning, um, what am I doing? Where do I belong? What, you know, what am I going to do with my life? I should have got to that point a whole lot earlier, but nevertheless, um, Billy Graham says that it's, it's a wonderful thing when a young man asks, what am I doing, uh, and starts wondering those questions. Um, I, uh, soon after, asked my wife, uh, Debbie, to, to marry me, my, my high school sweetheart. Um, that was one of the easiest decisions I've ever made, probably. Um, and we, I tried to, after that, I tried to um, start a little business and it didn't hardly work out. It rocked along for a little while, but I had an opportunity to move off and get into the oil field. Well, I prayed about it. God was involved. He told me not to. I disobeyed. I went anyways. Um, and, but God was still with me through, the whole, through that whole time. And, and there was a couple more times in, in my, my uh, welding career whenever I, I, you know, was wondering, what am I doing? I'm not making it anywhere. And I finally got in with a good company and uh, was f fulfilling my selfish desire that I wanted to um, uh, build. I wanted to build a career in the oil field. Um, and I was well on my way. Um, one morning on the way to work, 
you know, hear the God's audible voice. It wasn't no more, it wasn't what am I doing? I was asked the question, what are you doing? This was a Sunday morning. And I was, it was probably 3.30 in the morning, headed, headed to the job. And it just stopped my heart right there. And I argued with God. I'm doing what, you know, this is, this is good for my family. I'm making, making a name for myself. And, and I argued with God. And, and, well, long story short, I, I let him win. And I ended up quitting my job. I moved back home. I started a, a, well, I really just moved back home. I really didn't know what I was going to do. And Chris come home uh, not too long after that. And we decided we was going to start a business. So that's what we did. We started a construction business. And um, we rocked along. My little brother moved home as well, and we included him. But um, that was about seven years ago. Um, and... Since then, we've we've had many ups and downs. We've we've as as a lot of y'all probably know, we've we've started a lot of other things. Uh, we've invested into, we've invested our heart and our soul, and in in lots of effort and lots of need time, lots of praying, on direction on why God wanted us to come home and start this business. And there's lots of people also in this crowd today that that's knows that that is my purpose. My purpose is to give a venue of light to those that wouldn't necessarily have it if we wouldn't have done what we've done uh, here in this community. And, and, and my purpose is to, I believe, is to whenever, whenever the people around me in my everyday life look at me, it, they got to ask the question. They're faced with who Jesus is. Why is he different? And 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 I think I think that alone um, is 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 the main reason why God God had called me home. Um, we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. A lot like like Randy said, it's a blessing for me to be here. Um, I'm a, like I said, I'm not perfect by any means, but I've learned enough, been through enough, I think, that um, I know that I'd serve this church with purpose, and, and, I, and it's an honor to even just be here on this stage as a nominee, as a deacon. Last time I was... Last time I was on the stage with the microphone, I was helping deliver a eulogy to my grandfather. And uh, it's almost a good thing that he's not here, because y'all wouldn't be able to keep him off the stage. <laughs> and, 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 and like I said, there's lots of folks that are here to support me. And there's some that just that, uh, couldn't make it. But, uh, but the Bible does say that, that God allows, or, or the people in heaven are looking down and cheering us on. And I bet that they're about to have to call security on Ed Burkett right now. But, but anyways, I'm here. I love you guys. And, and it, like I said, it's an honor. And, I'm, and I will, um, I am willing to commit 
whatever it takes to serve this church, however need be. How are y'all? So I did need notes, but I didn't type mine out in too little font. I just did my doctor handwriting where I can't even read what I wrote. So we'll kind of go on. I uh, feel like an eighth grade boy running for class president here. There's like people giving testimonies everywhere. So my story's pretty, it's a little different than everybody else's. Uh, I grew up in a little town down the road, Jasper, Texas. Um, mom, dad married, you know, really good life. Can't really gripe about any of that. Um, Mom pulled me to church at every single chance she got. Uh, I remember I was sitting in a spot just like that right over there, and Brother Johnny Durham in the Assembly of God, Jasper preaching, you know, and uh, he kind of gave an altar call, and he said, hey, if you don't know God, you need to come down here. And I, I remember sitting there thinking, I don't know God. I mean, I don't, what, what is this? I don't, I don't know this. And, and I kind of took interest that week, and I said, nah, I'm not, I'm not going down there, not doing that. So I chewed on it a little bit, and I was, like I said, I was seven or eight years old. The next week we went to church, and he got to the same point in the sermon, and he said, if you don't know God, you need to come down here to the altar and pray, pray through. And I, I don't know what it was, something, I mean, it was like I couldn't breathe. I felt empty. I felt alone. Uh, I got up, and I don't remember getting up, but I walked down to the altar, and and we went through the prayer, and uh, I told him, I said, I, I'm a sinner. I, I feel alone. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know God, and I want to know God. Uh, and when I prayed the prayer, I, I swear it was like a, a weight was lifted off of me. And that would be great if that was my story. That would, be, that would be enough, because God's grace is that sufficient. But it's not, because I grew up, and I made the same dumb choices that Randy made. Uh, my father had a stroke at 16, and I got mad at God. I didn't think that was fair. He, he took my father from me, and I just, I didn't think it was fair. I was mad, and, and I, why would you do this to me, God? And I chewed on that for a couple years as a teenager, and being mad at God and being a teenager are two things that really don't go together well. I'm just going to tell you that. Um, turned 18, and I joined the Marines. I said, Shh, we're getting out of here. I, I got to go. And I went to the Marines, and I lived my best life. And I did what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it, when I wanted to do it. Um, and I made some stupid choices. And I was blessed, Randy, just like you were. I was very blessed that God saw me through. Um, I met my wife, Ashley, while I was there doing those stupid things. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, Ashley was a godsend. Um, there's a song by Zach Williams. I kind of joked. I said I was going to throw Heath under the bus. Cause that's your brother, right, Zach? So you're going to sing the song for us when you get up and do yours, right? All right. <laughs> so there's a line in one of the Zach Williams songs. He says, you never gave up on me. Um, and when I chewed on that song, it, it really speaks volumes for me because I separated myself from God. God never changed. God was always there. But I took myself away from God, and he never gave up on me. Um, me and Ashley moved back, you know, still not with God, still separated. Um, we moved into a little house on Horseshoe Loop. She got pregnant. We had a little daughter named Paisley. And Harper said if I didn't say I have a daughter named Harper, she was going to disown me. So I also have Harper and Fisher. Uh, but we had Paisley. And Ashley was working nights. She was a nurse. Um, I was working days. So I would get home about 4.30. Ashley would go pick Paisley up. 
I would take Paisley and Ashley would go to work and we would kind of just see each other in passing. And Paisley was a rough baby. It was, oh, I don't know if some of y'all got rough babies. She was not an easy baby, okay? She, she took everything we had. Um, and Ashley went to work and I got Paisley down for a nap one evening and I thought, whew, all right, I can take a nap now. And about that time, my doorbell rang. And Paisley woke up screaming, bloody murder. And I turned and went to the door, and I was not very happy. And I opened the door, and there stands Cricket Maury and Tammy Hughes and some other ladies from, from Huntington First Baptist Church. And I said, hey, you're new to the neighborhood. We, we, we were told that you were here, and we, we'd really like for you to go to church. And the baby's screaming in the background. And I said, uh-huh, appreciate it. And I slammed the door in their face and turned around and went back and got the baby and I don't think they were very happy talking to them later about that, but uh, my wife got home the next morning. We talked. I said, hey, the people from the church came by, and if you want to go to church, uh, we, we, whatever you want to do. And uh, she said, well, let's visit some church. We, we need to visit some churches. We got the baby, and, and I said, okay. So we, we visited a few churches. We went to Lufkin, and we, we were back row Baptist here at Huntington First Baptist. We sat right back there where Mr. Dennis is right now, hiding out, and we'd come in when the music started so nobody saw us and we'd sneak out before you know everything got going uh, and brother Daryl could call us out and um, at some point we went to a uh, marriage counseling they talked us into going a marriage counseling thing with Cody Marie he hosted it at Nacogdoches and uh, Cody talked about marriage and he talked about tithing and he talked about all these things that really were kind of foreign to me just to be quite honest I mean I knew of them from growing up in church but I didn't know what that meant and we got home, and I told Ashley, I said, that's a pretty smart guy. I said, that, that Cody, he's, he's pretty smart. I said, I, I, think, I think we need to go visit that church again. And she said, yeah. I, I said, that, that fellow that plays the guitar up there, he's pretty good, too. I kind of like the music up there. And she said, well, let's go back. I said, okay. So we started coming back, and we'd sit in there, and we had a time back when when Brother Darrell would say, turn around and shake everybody's hands. And we started to get to know the people here. Um, and at some point, they turned to, you're not really plugged into the church until you get into life groups. And that's where it went south for me, because I got into a life group with uh, Sammy Weaver. And I'm telling you, he, he's not here. I don't see him. That man will change your life. Uh, he showed us what the love of God was, what it means to love your brother. And um, he also taught us that your past shouldn't define you. And I was very, very hesitant to serve in the church because of my past. Because I was afraid, what would they say about me? If they knew who I really was. If they knew what I've done. And I'm going to tell y'all, maybe there's somebody here. Me, we talked in D group. Me and Will talked about this. Maybe there's somebody that needs to hear this. Do not let your past define you. Because if you're sitting in this church right now, your past doesn't matter. It doesn't. Who you are right now is all that matters. And God has you here for a purpose. And I believe God has me here for a purpose. Okay, this morning I was so nervous about this deacon thing that I got up at like 4.30 and I was just pacing and I was, God, tell me what you want me to do. I don't, I don't understand. Why am I so nervous about this? Because people have been asking me all week, are you nervous? No, this is my story. How do you mess your own story up? You, you can't mess your own story up, right? So I sat down and started reading the Bible and I came to Romans 8.28 and, and I'll leave you all with this. It says, all things work together for good. For those that love God, to those who are called according to his will. And I'm telling y'all, my deacon call is not for my will, because I don't care whether I'm a deacon or not. I'm just going to be quite honest. But if God wants me to serve, I will serve to the very best of my ability for this church, because I love each and every person in this church. Thank y'all.
right, so uh, not used to talking with a microphone. I told Byron I'd do this. That way y'all didn't know I was nervous. Um, first off, I just want to say thank you. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, Tan and I have been a part of the church now with our family for a year or a little over a year. And we grew up in church, but one of the things that we really wanted to do was when we found a church, we wanted to be planted in a church that looked to serve God and that the members were involved in the community and served God. And when we sat down and met with uh, Brother Darrell, Byron, Will, uh, it was super evident to us of how the church body here in Huntington cares about the community and has a desire to reach the lost. So it was real easy to continue coming back when we were trying to figure out where is God leading us and what are we, what are we gonna do? So I just wanna say thank you for that. Uh, my name is Heath Williams. For those of you who don't know, Byron, I want to know where you got the photo. Oh, okay. Uh, my wife's Tana. We have three kids, Wyatt, Mason, and Delaney. Uh, like I said, we've been members now for a little over a year. Um, testimony is a pretty cool thing. Uh, first off, because as a Christian, it, it should just be easy for us to tell our testimony. But when you stand up on a stage, tell it to a multitude of people, it's a little different. But that being said, it's just... It's just a story. It's just like David said. It, it's your story. It's your story how you came to, to know Christ. Uh, I grew up in Groveton, Texas. Groveton is very close to Huntington. I'm sure most of you know or have heard of Groveton. The big difference between Groveton and Huntington is Groveton doesn't have a red light. Um, we have a caution light. It doesn't work all the time, but we still have the Mexican food place and the barbecue and all the other good stuff there. So it felt like home when we came to Huntington. Uh, I, I was saved at an early age. Uh, growing up, my mom and dad made the decision early in their life uh, with their kids, and they understood that if they don't have them in church, if they don't have us in church, and if they don't lead by example, that our, our family's going to have a different path. So they made that decision early on, and we're grateful, grateful to them for it, but we had five boys in the family between mom and dad. And growing up, one of the, looking back, the biggest things I took away from my parents was the fact that they would, they, every time the doors were open, we were there. I mean, the, one of the worst things we could hear from the pastor is after the service, we need people to stay to do X, Y, and Z. Because every time he said it, there were five boys staying late to help out with moving chairs or pews or whatever. But one thing that I really took away from my parents was that no matter how much we were in church, no matter how many times they talked to us, no matter how many times they brought us to understanding who Christ was and the sacrifice that he made for us, they didn't pressure us to make a decision for Christ. They understood that, that, that they can only take us so far that it was our decision. Well, early on, I made that decision. I understood that I was lost. I, I was a young kid. Uh, I went to my father. I, I simply sat down and told him I understood I was lost. It was just that simple. I didn't understand all of the Bible. I didn't understand all the stories. I didn't understand everything it meant to be a Christian. I simply understood that as a person, I had sin within me, and I was lost. And the only way to be saved was through Christ. So at an early age, I became a Christian. Uh, continued to grow up, 10 and our high school sweethearts. Uh, I never really went off track, I guess you could say. But... Fairly early in my life, I started to understand the importance of my walk with Christ. And it really hit me when Tana came to me with the surprise of, we're pregnant, 
and a baby's on the way. And I went, whoa, okay, everything's changed. And as I, I started to really think about, okay, now I'm a father, and it's now my responsibility. I've seen the example led by my dad. I saw the example led by my mother and my father. Now I'm going, okay, it's my turn, and I've got to make sure that I do this right. Uh, I just started laying my heart out to God more and more, making sure that, hey, I'm doing what you want me to do. I've, I've served you because I was told to serve you growing up. But now that it's my responsibility, and now that I'm in charge of this family, I no longer want to serve you because I'm told to be at the church to move the chairs, the pews, or whatever. I now want to be at the church and serve because this is what you've have been planned for my life. This is where I can show by example to my kids of what it means to be a Christian and how to follow through. So Tana came to me and said, hey, we're pregnant. Uh, and we were, I don't know, we were a couple months pregnant with Wyatt. And um, we're in the hospital talking to or waiting on the doctor to come in. And I had been with my family, the, the family business for a little while, but I just felt like, okay, God, this is not where I'm supposed to be. This is, I enjoy being here. I enjoy being with my family, but this isn't what I'm called to do. I did not understand what he had in plan. Never would have saw it coming, but I'm sitting there looking out the window and it just hits me. And I turned to Tana and said, hey, I don't think I'm supposed to be at race anymore. I think I'm supposed to be a cop. So I got into law enforcement in 2009. I got hired uh, August 24, 2009 total curveball. Uh, and Tana and I, when we made this decision together, the funds were not there. A baby's on the way. We just had a house that we had no idea how we were going to keep. Um, it was problem after problem. But we came before God and simply said, Lord, this is what we feel you're leading us to. This is how we feel you want the direction of our life to change. And if it's going to happen, you open the doors and we'll walk through. And we step back. And it's hard to put all this in three to five minutes, but time after time after time, a door was opened. And I don't mean like small things. I mean things that there was no other way it could have worked. So I made it into law enforcement. Uh, in law enforcement, I started to really see how broken the world was. Uh, I grew up in Groveton. I grew up in the church. Had the good family. Had the five or four brothers. Um, Married to my high school sweetheart, you know, just trying to make ends meet, doing what we could. But I started to see how broken the world really was. And through that maturing process, I started to understand more and more of how being a Christian and the whole salt of the earth, light in the darkness, really makes an impact. And it, it grew on me more and more. And I got to where I'd come home to 10 and I'd say, hey, look, I'm never going to be able to retire as a law enforcement officer. I'm never going to hit retirement. Because there's going to come a day and a time where they tell me I can't pray over somebody or I can't witness to somebody or it's going to be on a body cam or something's going to happen. And the department's going to come to me and go, can't do that. You got to leave that stuff at the house. And it's going to be one of those, well, here's my badge and my gun. I didn't hit that spot. Uh, I continue moving on. Uh, we went from uh, Nacogdoches, felt led to come to Lufkin, came to Lufkin, served with Lufkin Police Department, hey, Clay. served with LPD. Uh, for about three years, and uh, we had a travesty that happened in our family. On February the 6th of 2020, the great year that it was, uh, my brother, Wade, passed away in a plane crash. He was uh, a COO of a company. Uh, he was getting his doctorate's degree. Man, he was, he was going to the top. They had flown him to a, a board meeting, and they were flying him back. And on the way back, his plane iced up in Louisiana. plane went down. Wade didn't make it. 
And when this happened, it, it, this was the first truly big tragedy that my family experienced. We have lost grandmothers, great-grandmothers, but this was the first one that crippled my family. And from the outside in, of course, being law enforcement, I've, I've went to the door numerous times. I've made that announcement numerous times. I've, I've done those things before. But this time it was different. This time it was us. And I saw my family broken. And I saw how this foundation that we had with Christ for so long that was planted in me and my brothers at such an early age that continued as I was growing up, that continued when I had Wyatt and Mason and Delaney, through all the trials that we had before, that foundation really got tested. And I came before God and I said, God, I, I'm not mad at you. I need you to know first off, Lord, I'm not mad. Uh, the first thing that came to mind was Job and how God just comes at Job and says, you, you know nothing, you know nothing. You weren't there when the canyons were made. You don't tell the sky when to rise, when to fall. You have no idea what you're talking about, and yet you're blaming me. So I came before God, and I said, God, look, we're, we're broken. But at the same time, uh, I don't blame you. But it, my family is in your hands. We need you to lead us. We need you to guide us. This, we can't stand. And my testimony comes back to the foundation of Christ and how great that grace is and how sovereign God is and how compassionate and loving he is because he carried us day by day by day and our, strength, our faith through that grew stronger and stronger and stronger. Uh, from that, I started to see something in my family to where uh, in law enforcement, it kind of can be dangerous. Um, after losing Wade, I noticed uh, a difference in my family. And I went, God, you put me in this position. Surely you're going to provide for me while I'm here. And I started to notice something within my family to where it was, it was different. They weren't able to truly handle uh, the fact that I would put a gun on my hip and a vest on my shirt and go to work. That's kind of strange. So in noticing this, I, I simply I, I came before God again and I said, Lord, uh, I'm seeing the struggles. I'm seeing that you put me in this position. And since you're the one who put me here, if there's something else you want me to do, my wife and I, we lay it before you. And we simply ask for your guidance and what it is. And God, uh, he made that very clear. He led me back to full circle, back to mom and dad's business uh, where I'm working at now. And in following God through that and being faithful to that, it wasn't all easy. It hasn't all been easy. But at the same time, I've started to see more and more blessings that I didn't have from what I was doing. Uh, primarily the time that I had with my family. I, I've been able to make every birthday, party, uh, practice, games, all these things that I miss so much in law enforcement. And through all of that, it, it, it's not just all good things, but it's all things that have been provided by God. And I look back on my life now, moving back, realizing that time and time again, through these good things and the bad, God has been faithful to me. He's been faithful to my family. He has provided for us then. He will provide for us in the future. And in doing that, my wife and I, we've always just had a servant's heart. Uh, we've been to a couple of churches growing up. And 
you just you can't help but get involved in church and feel the the need to serve. Uh, it, it, my wife is, has a servant's heart. She's a teacher. I was a servant, a public servant for quite a while. But every time we join the church, it, it's where do you need me? What do you need me to do? Uh, no goals, no objectives, just where do you need us at? So when Byron got with me and said, hey, you've been nominated for a deacon within the church, and I took a step back and went, wait a minute, this is, this is something that's pretty serious. This isn't just a, uh, uh, this isn't like a promotion or something at work. This is a commitment that you make before God and a commitment to you make to the people of the church that you're going to serve them. That's all it is. And with that, you know, uh, all of these men that we have here today, uh, we take that very seriously and we're very grateful for it. I know I'm probably over five, so let me wrap up real quick. Um, the, the biggest thing I'd like to leave you with is, number one, as a Christian, you know, giving your testimony should be fairly simple. In front of a crowd, it might be a little different. But your testimony is not simply the story of how you became saved. There's so much more to that story after there's so much more to the story of your testimony from the points you were saved moving forward and how you allowed God to work within your life. Your testimony doesn't end until you've had your last breath. And even then it's continued on by the things that people say about you. That's where your testimony comes into play. So I thank you for allowing me to be here today. I thank you for the nomination. And uh, 